Welcome to the Stories Are Soul Food podcast, presented by Cannonball Books, the kids' fiction imprint of Cannon Press. Met a ghost of a king on the road when I first fell. Fire burning to my knees, to my knees I fell. Met a ghost of a king on the road. Okay, we're here. Welcome to Sassaf. Uh, here it is, Stories Are Soul Food, after a brief hiatus. Uh, is it? Did we take a hiatus? We did. Okay. Yep. You were cranking. I, uh, yeah, I flaked. Well... I don't know if that counts as flaking. We borrowed <laughs> Nate for a wonderful video that yeah, you can we'll visit at noquarternovember.com. Um, yeah. Although I guess right now it's just the Canon team. That's why you get the flag behind it. Uh, why do we have the flag up here? Why, where's it's Blah just, Blah? It's just during No Quarter. Blah Blah's not but we're, here. But we are, we're taking prisoners here at Stories or Sulfate. <laughs> no Quarter is not. <laughs> yeah, maybe so. I think it's not there so that you will talk about Blah Blah. And wonder where it is. Yeah, wonder like where is blah blah black sheep? Everybody buy blah blah black sheep. Yep. yep. I don't mind flying under a Jolly Roger. That's fine. Yeah, but I, I think it is kind of the vibe for sort of soul food all the time. Yeah. I don't know. I do feel like we take a lot of prisoners. Do we make? We're so gentle. I guess for the most part, I qualify. So maybe I need. I to actually kind of, I kind of want to change uh, our podcast name to Hearts and Minds. Hearts and Minds. <laughs> Do you want to explain that joke? No. All we'll right. just leave we'll let it sit we'll just, there. <laughs> we'll sit there. The joke is that we here at Stories of Soul Food are all about winning hearts and minds and taking lots of quarter and many prisoners. Uh, none of this is true. We're actually about getting in a small room where there's just the two of us and we forget there's an audience mm-hmm. and we have a conversation. And I ask Nate questions about things. We discuss favorite stories. Um, yeah. So we have fun conversations and forget that yeah. they're public. Right. So. I mean, I, I think we have a variety of stuff to talk about, um, but perhaps a starting with a couple questions and then maybe we yeah. move on to, uh, well, I haven't finished the whole first season of The Bear, but I was curious. Okay. I'd, that one's there. Yeah. We've got, uh, I started watching. Okay. I've reason. got a movie recommend today. Oh, wow. We're busy. Uh, got a movie reco. I, we do need to pick another Today's the lamp. first day of basketball season for me. So I'm afraid the sweats are once again justified. Yeah. Uh, as opposed to unjustified. <laughs> <laughs> so first basketball practice and by right the, after this podcast. By the time this airs, also Future Men, the docuseries yeah, right. to which you contributed a little. Yeah. Um, we'll be out. And I actually, so, so basically I'm ready to talk about sports again. I've been, I actually probably get asked about that almost more than any other thing we've ever talked about yeah. on the podcast. I think it could be worth just having a sports episode because I think it reaches fever pitch, especially in our small community. And I think in many, like yeah. how important are they? 100. And then. That's how important. Is that, important. is that 10 points too important? Do we need to subtract slight importance and emphasize other things? So I think, I think these are worthwhile questions. No. As we said, though, this is not the this is not the Hearts and Minds podcast. So today, so, so today, today I'm gonna, I'm also I'll be talking a little bit about girls' sports. Wow! Today, just I'll okay. see if I can we're, fit it in. What doing, are we actually talking about? And I'll see if I can tangent into girls' sports. Well, I think point. we should just tangent into sports because the, it was really just a, a couple questions that have been sitting on the to ask. And as we come up on Thanksgiving, this is this okay. is a timely question right here. Great. So this is a tough one based on our fighting episode. Our last episode, you might remember, is how being pickled in conflict makes your kids resilient and able to stand up for themselves and not try I to I actually fit in. have 
so little memory of that podcast for whatever reason. You told stories about getting thrown out yeah, of class. Yeah, maybe it's just because they're such old, old stories and I felt like I'd already told them uh, probably on this podcast. <laughs> Some stories you repeat on this podcast, those I don't think had made it out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I, heard I know from, I have told those stories. I heard from fellow uh, Stories or Soul Food listeners about their own fights in classrooms none of them had been okay. thrown out though so they all felt like they had <laughs> they had some aspirations to start I, I, I mean i know well, my favorite moment in all of that was when the teacher threw chalk at me yeah and drilled the girl in front of me and that's still <laughs> such a vivid beautiful memory i wonder if the girl in front of you remembers i'm pretty sure she does yeah at the time a professor hit her with a piece of chalk that she was <laughs> trying to throw at the guy behind her yeah i'm willing to bet that she she remembers that oh good i would remember it wouldn't you remember if a totally. professor pegged you with chalk? Totally. Yeah. Yeah. I remember, I remember a marker being thrown at a kid who'd fallen asleep. That's, I remember that pretty vividly. That was a good one. Yeah. Although yeah. I missed. So that it was, missed. it wasn't as hence, small. hence the need for this episode on sports. Okay. Perfect. Uh, okay. So here's some advice. This is, this is such a, a complicated question. You never know where all these stories are coming from, but um, this is dealing Coming from a reader who listened to that episode about when to throw down, and he says, my father's trans and still professes Christianity. The rest of my family is still living in super hippie woke. Uh, refers to him as a woman. They get the whole story. And then this guy is trying to decide, what do I do? I'm, I'm about to have kids. What do my wife and I do as we're heading into having children? And how soon do I explain to my family? Because remember, we talked about in our episode of when do you talk to your kids about the world yeah. and how to divide it. So this is kind of a giant smorgasbord question where you get thrown Oof. all the questions. It's a big one. And uh, he just says, what can I do? You know, I agree. You know, we talked about explaining the reality of the pride flag and what all that means and age appropriately. But then the whole conversation of it just being central to your family, especially yeah. around the holidays. What do you do about that? When your aunt is calling, you know, your grandpa a she and your mom and dad are saying no. You know, the, the, obviously this is kind of the worst of the worst, but I think it's happening more and more. Yeah, so, that's pretty rough. Yeah. I mean, I think the, in that particular situation, I don't think you could really have anything to do with them. Yeah. I mean, it's just. And the, the question is whether you don't have anything to do with them because they won't have anything to do with you. And that's preferable as opposed to you cutting right. them off. But at the same time, you can't raise your, uh, raise your babies around a dude like that being, yeah. being like that. So, right. And again, I, I don't know all the particulars. So if yeah, it's, and we can't, and you don't have kids yet, you don't have, you don't have that going on. I think it'd be better to actually be there. And just have the conversations. Don't pretend, and like right. be be willing to have the relationships, but do not uh, drop it. Right. Like do do not pretend and avoid. Like actually actually be there with light and under, understand that it'll be hard conversations, and they will either come around or they won't want you there anymore ever. And that'll and that'll happen naturally. And it'll happen on their side as opposed to you cutting them off because they are family. He is your father. Uh, you do have to find a way to honor your father. You have to find a way to honor your father more than he is honoring himself. Right. You know, like that's, you know, I, I think that one of the things that would be hard to do, but I would go 
Grandpa Jim, pull a Grandpa Jim and say, probably write him a respect letter. You know, mm, actually, like, right. start so start you, there. Your, your grandpa said, what? Said, settle down, write the letter because it gets everything all out at once, send it off, and then. Write a, write a respect letter to your dad, especially if there's a lot of conflict, if there's a lot of hardship, if there's a lot of disagreement. Focus on those things which you can thank God for. Yeah. And that you can respect in your father and ignore everything else. Don't include anything about that and just simply send a respect letter. Right. Um, because that's what we're told to do. Yeah. Honor your father. Yeah. And as hard as it is, uh, we're not told to do it because they deserve it. We're not told to do it because it's easy. We're told to do it because we're supposed to do it. And mm-hmm. so, uh, so do it. And that doesn't, that does not mean lie to your father. It doesn't mean participate in your father's lies, but honor your father, love your father, uh, do what you can there and, and understand that that probably will answer the question about raising kids, having babies, all that kind of stuff, because it'll force the issue and resolution will, will come or the gulf will become more longstanding. Yeah. And then that also, you know, as you're looking forward to your own kids and explaining what's going on, it becomes much simpler to explain. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I think a lot of times, this this reminds me of stories that I've heard of you know when that when that one kid leaves the faith and starts brings the girlfriend to stay over you know what do the parents do when someone shows up with a girlfriend on vacation and you're like no you can't sleep together yeah. right that yeah. that that sort of same line and the temptation for Christians is always to I'm not sure why we do this but a lot of people's temptation is to be like oh it's okay they don't believe what we believe well con- conflict avoidance is is deeply ingrained in evangelical kindness and the idea of being loving. Right. So, so I guess the pirate flag and blah, blah behind <laughs> us both would have worked. <laughs> yeah. So it, it's not love. Being loving is being honest. Um, I have had conversations with people before where I told them I am, I'm respecting you with honesty. I am not going to disrespect you with patronizing euphemisms. Yeah. I will tell you the truth. And yep. I'm going to tell you the truth. And that doesn't mean you're going to like it. It's it's gonna feel like, um, you know, some alcohol on a wound, trying yeah. to actually like disinfect. It's gonna burn. It's not gonna go down easy, but right. it's it is offered out of affection and respect. It's not, you know, it's it's really um, so easy to think that kindness is tiptoeing around and avoiding and creating a neutral space in which terrible things can happen. And so, you know, it's, it's one of those things where if uncle, you know, Felipe on, you know, and my family decided to be in a polyamorous relationship and wanted to come to Thanksgiving, like I may or may not do that and like, and then have the hard conversation, uh, depending on how old my kids were and whether I thought their immune systems were up enough, but if they were just little and it was going to be. Yeah. Wildly confusing that I would avoid. If my kids were the age they are right now, I'd be like, yeah, come on. Right. Like, you're welcome at the table. We're going to eat together, but we are also going to have very real talk. Yeah. You know, so if you want the turkey that bad that you're willing to pay the toll of having this conversation, then you're, then you're welcome. Right. But it's, it's really a question of who's got the steering wheel, who has the center of gravity and, and I so th- on. And I think you've said before, and I've heard it from your dad too, of his focus on his kids was was the primary yeah. like he didn't owe it to the people who were counseling correct to have them come in and drive his life correct and yeah. that and so i think a lot of new parents do need that reminder 
you know, hey, you yep. are in charge of taking care of your kids. Yeah. You're not in charge of blessing that other person first, or but yep. even if that would be a blessing. Yep. Um, you, if you can, if you can do both, great. Yeah. What's that story your dad tells about, or is it well, the one you tell about coming in a counseling situation and and the uh, the guy asked the kid to leave, one of you guys to leave? I'm trying to remember the story, but I thought you're. I don't remember that. Uh, it was no a, bells are ringing, Brian. Oh shoot, no I'd, bells are ringing. Yeah, I'm mixing it up. We'll come back to it when I've got the real one. Yeah, but it, it was one of those situations where you think, "Hey, it's my pastor, therefore he owes me." And, right. And and Doug said, "No, I actually owe my kid far more than I. Yeah, owe you. <laughs> you're in my house. <laughs> then I owe you. I don't. I don't remember it. <laughs> I do. I do remember a a, a pretty glorious uh, men's group moment where we were all there as a family and a guy came in i think the men's form had been canceled but he showed up anyway and then ended up if i remember the story there's like it's there's foggy bits around it but the vivid part is he came in and he took a route to try to get to a seat in our living room by walking through a bunch of house plants and like <laughs> it just shimmied through he came in and was just <laughs> we were all just like what are you what are you doing Oh, what's, what's going on? I don't, I don't know. Did you figure out? No, no. nothing. No, I don't remember anything except for that image. I've, I can uh, see him. Gotcha. I can see him doing that. And I feel like men's form had been canceled. He showed up, walked in the house and let himself through the house plants. But <laughs> <laughs> that's a good moment. Yeah. Things, uh, things like that, you know? So, so looping back around, that's, that's all part of that honesty conversation. I, Having those kind of conversations where the honesty is really strict, do make it or straightforward, make it easy to know if you're doing what you're supposed to be doing or not. Like, yeah. uh, whereas I think when you couch it, it becomes much harder to tell and much more in that sort of emotional, am I going, am I making that person happy yet? If not, then I'm going to keep trying. Um, and I was going to, I was going to ask, do you working in our people in the movie business good at that direct honesty? No. Okay. No, really successful ones are the people who are really good in that business are the people who are kind of mid middle tier mm -hmm. uh, executives have an overwhelming, now you see this at every level, but an overwhelming drive to like fawn and flatter and lie. And then as soon as somebody's out of the room, tear them down, tear them down. And you're like, this is trash. You know, it's not going to never. Gonna that happen. makes sense to me. Cause most of the interactions I was thinking, I could not imagine the secular publishers that I've run into. I could not imagine them saying that hard truth. And I think I have run into most of the, the mid yeah. team. I've, I've seen it. Like I've seen, I really appreciate it. I I see it. There's a lot of guys uh, and gals, different execs at different levels who will really give you direct notes and honesty. And they'll just say it and put it out there. Mm. Uh, and then there's different corners and different cultures. And the, the culture varies company to company, but also... The more status, in my experience, the more status somebody has, the more they just let the honesty fly because they're not going to get taken down. Okay. So they, you know, so the, there's a career building. There's a hierarchy to it. thing yeah. of like who's fawning on whom and who could benefit whom and and so on. And so the various degrees of dishonesty of like I can I might need this relationship later for my own career, so mm. I can't be honest or burn this bridge. I have to backstab. Yeah. Uh, you know, I've, I've seen every possible variety. Well, one of my least favorite moments, but an example of this was meeting with a guy. Um, we were thrilled to have gotten the meeting. We're talking about a project. We're meeting with an A-list talent, uh, absolute movie star. 
and his manager, his American manager. And because he had different managers in different territories. So we're, it's around the Golden Globes and we're, we're sitting on a, you know, we're, we're in some stupid bougie hotel, having a drink on the roof. And we're talking about this project and it's all a love fest, right? Everything's great. He's got a ton of really direct business, practical questions, you know, and the manager uh, is being super enthusiastic and over the top. He gets up to use the bathroom. As soon as he walks away from the table, she leans over to uh, my production partner and to me and says, just to be clear, this is never going to happen. Oh, like, no. I, I have other plans for him. Nice. Like, I know he likes this and he's all excited, uh, but this will never happen. I will make sure this never happens. <laughs> and I was like, okay. Like, this is interesting. And, sh and she was betting, she was placing a bet that her relationship with him was stronger than ours. That if I had tried to tell him that she was doing this, she would just be like, what is, I, it's a lie, total lie. Why would, why would I do this? Um, Which alone would probably sour the whole deal. Yeah, the whole thing, yeah. the whole thing's going to go away. Right. And did, you know. So She was correct. But that's. But so that, that was a sort of radical honesty. But, but I preferred <laughs> it. I definitely preferred it. While she was being dishonest to her client, because yeah. he wanted this. I preferred that to what I've experienced a hundred times, which is the, just the fawning flattery. And then, and then later, the and then you're just meeting through. invisible resistance and you don't know what's happening or where the, you know, where it's coming and mm -hmm. somebody's, somebody's killing it. So yeah, it's, I still preferred that, you know, by a mile. Yeah. Okay. Nice. And the thing is, if you're talking about honesty, it's one of the, the big, beautiful things about sports. There's our segue. So there you go. Let's, One of my favorite things about sports for kids is ob objectivity, honesty uh, in the struggle. Right. So you meaning success and failure is out there in front of everybody. Yep. And also um, the opportunity to uh, offer a ton of excuses. Every kid, ton of sun was in my eyes. You know, my ankle hurts. Mm -hmm. All of those things. Sports basically, I think pressurized they create they're like a stress test mm -hmm. uh, they're like a stress test on anybody who's really participating at a high level uh, all the way down to t-ball you take somebody at their age you know peewee soccer and there's a little bit of a stress test totally like can you pay attention can you do what the coach said can you actually work with a teammate are you selfish are you like rashly angry uh, are you tempted to make a ton of excuses all of your temptations are just going to be heightened. Yeah. It's, you know, you, you get into a situation and it's, everything's amplified. And so all the little personality cracks, all the little personality flaws are brought to the surface. And there are a ton of conversations I've had with my kids and a ton of, I mean, all, all five of them. Uh, there's been a huge amount of personal growth that's come from those hairline cracks, those tiny little flaws or right. weaknesses that never, ever would have shown up. Yeah. Because they would never have gotten into a situation where there is that much pressure. Totally. Applied. Yeah. And the temptation pops and then there's the thing that you see and then, then the parenting starts and you start working with them. Yeah. And for all five of them, it's been different. Right. Like each of those five kids, my youngest being 13, my oldest is 21. And with all of them, 
that growth and those conversations and different versions of the struggle and the suffering and teamwork and leadership yeah. and all the different lessons that have been learned, uh, all of them have been different Yeah, from different temptations and circumstances. Oh, that's great. One of my, one of my little boys, I won't call him out in front of everyone, but you know, finding out <laughs> a that, cold boy, they, yeah, finding out that the pressure of having failed was what made him cry. Right. And he wouldn't cry. You know, I was like, ah, oh, that was fantastic. Cause I hadn't seen yep. it before and he's a beast. But when that happened, like his few failures, yep. I could see the tears would come and I'd be like, oh, good. There's something to work with him yeah. on. Cause now I know that's sitting under his high performance in other areas because he's got that little bit of like anxious energy underneath. And, yep. and, and the pressure is great cause he plays super hard, but it was, it's very, it was, it was that I, I had seen hints of it before as a parent, you know, like, oh, I don't understand why that made him sad. But then you get him on the field yeah. and it's all of a sudden, oh, it's because you guys are, we're losing really bad. Yeah. And then that hurts. Because you messed up. Because <laughs> right. you missed a shot. Right. Because, you right. know, fill in the blank. Yeah. Um, and so I, I'm a big fan of stats. I'm a big fan of, you know, I love track because it's so simple and so objective. Right. Um, but even so, in track, there's always those kids who are like, oh, but today my knee, today my ankle, today, you know, my elbow, like something, my breathing, something's weird. You know, those, it's always there. And so they're trying to find something to, to change this just objective measurement of how many seconds did it take you to go around the circle? How do we make that more subjective? And right. so it's not an accurate measure of, you know, what I, what I actually do. One of the best moments in my own personal life, playing football, I had outside containment. So for all those non-football listeners, I was on defense. My job was to not let anybody run around the sideline. So I'm playing defense. I had outside contain left side. And there's a very fast running back. And he was going for it. And I just got grabbed from behind. I just got held you know, Jersey grabbed, held back. He slipped by me uh, and I got, I got torched and I got torched because a player across from me cheated and there was no penalty called. And I left the field without any sense of guilt. I left it annoyed at this guy who grabbed my Jersey, mm -hmm. but I did not feel any responsibility. I did not feel any culpability. I did not, mm -hmm. you know, zero. And as I was running off the field, my coach started to get into me for losing outside contain. And I started to tell him that I was held and he knew he'd seen it. Mm -hmm. Um, then he grabbed my face mask. <laughs> he was, a, he was a very big individual face mask came in tight. Um, big dude leaned down a couple inches. I was six, three at the time. And he, he came down from about six, five, six, six, somewhere in there. Um, and just spittle flecked yell in my face. Good players don't get held. Good players don't get out. <laughs> and I was just like, what? <laughs> like, awesome. what? And then having awesome. the conversation later and in film when we were replaying it and looking at it mm -hmm. and the objectivity of watching game film and just looking at what are you doing? Why, are you, why is your body doing this? Why are you physically choosing to do <laughs> this right here? Um, that was just painful. And he pushed on me like, I don't care what happens. Like, I don't care if he has a knife. You have outside contain. You are responsible for that. And your whole team is depending on you for that. 
everybody over here is depending on you to overcome all obstacles, no matter what, and have outside contain. Doesn't matter who's grabbing what, who's kicking, punching, scratching, you have outside contain. And that was a really big light bulb moment for me of just realizing that um, excuses, real ones, excuses did not absolve responsibility. Mm. You know, just it might not be. You know, they could mitigate. They could mitigate punishment, perhaps. Yeah, they could mitigate <laughs> punishment. It, they could. They could mitigate fault, but right. not responsibility. Yeah, that right. you you own your thing, and my job was to turn around and own it to my team. So when I coached junior high football, uh, one of the things I would do is all my guys would be on the forty yard line, and we they'd all get down three point stands, and I'd tell them we're running a forty yard, you know, down and back. We're doing it on two or on three or on one, you know, whatever it is. That means counting yeah, to one, so two, be, or three. I'd be yelling hike right. twice, thrice, you know, right. or go. Yeah. Um, if I say it's on two and I yell go, they're not supposed to go. They're all supposed to stay frozen. Uh, yelling go twice. But if anybody false started, everyone ran uh, except for that person. He'd, like that person did not run. Everybody else had to go run as punishment. Uh, and varying degrees of punishment on how many times it was happening. Sometimes we ran 40 yard suicides and there was, yeah. there was a lot, but that person who screwed up had to start from one sideline. And while everybody else was doing their down and back suicides had to go and apologize to every player individually. <laughs> so instead of running, they had to go like eyeball to eyeball with every single teammate, uh, making apologies because in my experience as a, as a male and raising two male children i'm sorry i was wrong my fault mm. those are the hardest words they are yeah. just the hardest words to say there when especially when you're a competitive little boy yeah um or a competitive little man <laughs> <laughs> but but those are really essential they're they're critical words too so every player on that team at some point i'm pretty sure was walking that 40 yard line apologizing to every single guy on the squad mm. And the rapport it built and the way they started to come to trust each other and the speed with which they would take personal responsibility and see and correlate their own mistakes and their own lack of discipline to everyone else suffering. Yeah. You know, like it's, it did a lot, you know, it, it helped a lot. Right. And this is incidentally like not a male thing. I mean, we're talking about future men's coming out here pretty soon. Uh, we're talking about boys right now. This yeah. is just as important for girls and, and people who, uh, try to get on some kind of weird bandwagon about restricting sports for girls just drives me nuts. Yeah. Like it's nuts. So yeah, we should, it's, we in, should it's insane. It. And I think while you definitely want your daughters to be uh, pursuing it in a way that's, you know, part of their feminine glory and they're not trying to be dudes, you don't want your guys yeah, to I try think to Megan be Rapinoe is the reason that's happening for a big part. Right. I mean, people just see Megan Rapinoe with her purple hair and just. Think, I don't think I. Well, here, let me, let's put it this way. If people say, man, there's so many lesbians in women's sports. Yeah. Right. How many gay dudes are in the arts? Yeah. How many singers? Very high number. <laughs> you know, it's or too high of a number. <laughs> well, if you think general population. <laughs> right. Right. If you go over to music in the world of music above general population average or below. Right, definitely above. Yeah, definitely above. I'm in the, all I'm them, in the all arts. All of them would say everyone I've ever talked to has been involved in it. 
Yeah, I'm yeah. I'm in the arts. Right. It's like I I work with words. I love poetry. I think poetry is a really important discipline. Right. Um, however, if we go through the history of the West and looked at the great poets, how many of them would have struggled with, shall we say, sexual impulse control? <laughs> like a huge number. Right. A huge number because they are deep in their feels and a lot of them, you know, their feels run amok and in right. they, they struggle with that, but they're here in the business of emotional expression and all that kind of stuff because they have that elevated sensibility for it. So keep, I'm, I'm going to be the last person ever to say, keep your boys from the arts. Like what on earth? Of course not. Right. You know? so, so you're saying that is actually a, a slope or a consequence that does not follow. From no. the field, right? So no, at all. Running high school track does not make you make no. it happen. Up. <laughs> no. Uh, however, I will say this though: just like in the arts, uh, you're in singing and music. Like you could, you could send little boys off to weird culture and send them off to ballet school and have it go wrong. Yeah. Um, you could do the same exact thing with girls in other ways. Um, so if you sent them off and like you were doing a ton of. Right. You know, we're doing a ton of travel ball and we're deeply in, we're, we're way more about this than we are about relationships and family and the home and everything else. Right. We're all about dominating. We want to win. We want to crush opponents. Yeah. We want softball you know. destruction, you know? <laughs> yeah. yeah. So yeah. If, if, if you start telling your six-year-old girl in soccer, I want you to crush them. I want you to take their souls. I want you to like, you know, what's wrong with you? You know, it's like, it's have your team's backs, you know, have your team's back really compete aggressively to the best of your ability, support, you know, support your teammates, mm -hmm. be unselfish. It's all those lessons. Now, could somebody with like tendencies to would go try to dominate and be a bully and do all those things thrive in sports? Yeah, they could. Just like somebody who is, you know, struggles with also sorts of like sexual urges could go thrive in, uh, in drama. In in drama, in in fiction, in poetry, right, in right. film, in in the things in the areas where I work, right? Okay. So, here's, here's so the, the question. question is, how do you? Can I go over there and be poetic and try to be an artist and really like really try, and yet retain masculinity? And the answer is, of course. Can you go do that in sports and retain your femininity? Of course you can. I think it's I think it's ludicrous to say that uh, that you can't. Gotcha. So you're not saying, yeah, women can do sports, but they're not trying to win as much as, no, as much as say, cause I think what people hear is they say like, if you're not doing the crush dominate, then you're not pursuing the excellence in the sport the same way that you have argued for in other podcasts. So I coach, guys. I coach girls, I coach guys, right. Yeah. And I have to work much, much harder to coach the girls. It's for, it's intuitive as I'm coaching guys. And for, for, oh, right. You know, because for girls, what, what works, I'm and trying motivates. to think, and it's, it's very practically very, it's very practical in terms of how do I get maximum effort? How do I motivate and reward maximum effort from a female athlete? And if I just try to do it the exact same way, or if I find myself slipping into that, you know, and trying to motivate it the exact same way, I'll, I'll find that it just doesn't work. Yeah. So like a you guy, know, maximum effort, it's pretty, pretty direct. Like you just be like, Hey, look how much you improve by way to go. You yeah. Know? Well, I'll also like be a lot more brutal. Yeah. You know, it's like, I'll, I'll, I will be brutally honest gotcha. with a guy. Um, I'm willing to, I'm not a coach who's just always yelling, but I'm willing to pull a guy aside and say very hard things. 
Right. I'm willing okay. to do that with a girl too, but it will be very, very different. It'll be different hard things. Okay. You know, <laughs> like I just need, ex- I just want examples now, but I may just be being curious. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just like, what do you say? <laughs> so, um, I, like I said, I've only been involved in male I pulled, sports. <laughs> I pulled a guy aside during a game once during a basketball game and just said, uh, I don't remember the, ex- the exact words, but between him and me, mm. just said, do you, uh, do you have any testosterone? Like any? I would, That's I wouldn't, so brutal. I wouldn't say that. I think that, that most people are just going to be. I like, wouldn't say that to a girl. Right. <laughs> you know, it's like. It's, right. You know, that's not going to happen. And then I went on. I said, also, like, I see your sisters here. Like, she's over there in the bleachers. And she was much younger. Mm. I was like, could you run, give her your jersey real quick and tell her to come over here? <laughs> oh, Nate. <laughs> that, was, that was one of the meanest things I did. Yeah. Um, and it worked. Did it work? Yeah. Okay, that was what I was going to ask. I was like, is, so here's how. The, and the, the thing is, when I say that, what would have been a failure is if I just hurt him, hurt him or wounded him mm-hmm. and didn't actually get him to find another gear and another level of effort. So what you're trying to... I'm trying to help the kid. I'm try, I want him to find it. And he was really struggling to downshift. And he had so much athleticism and so much ability and mm-hmm. so much potential that he just wasn't ever utilizing. And so I told him, it's like, okay, now I'm subbing you back in. And I want to, I want to see you at maximum aggression. And this was basketball. So I was saying, I want to see you in the paint, getting fouled in contact. Like I want three times this quarter. I want to see you like into contact in the paint. And he, he went out there and did an awesome job. Nice. Um, and I told him afterwards, afterwards, it was like, that was fantastic. That's exactly what I'm talking about. That's what I want to see from you. Right. You know, it's like, so it's about trying to find. So I think people, performance again, you're confusing, confusing punishment and correction, which are two yeah. very different things. And coaches who use you wuss, you suck as punishment. I would say, I would say um, motivation. Sure. So okay. correction, uh, there's punishment. Puni- I've kicked kids out of the gym before in practice. Right. Which would be punishment. Yeah. You're not looking, you do want them to improve. It's, it's, sla- it's punishment slash motivation for the next practice. Right. I want him to find that desire and that, you know, that right. ambition, that aggression. But you're not using it. It's not, it's not the fact that you're causing someone pain. No, the, that's not the end goal of it. That's what I mean. And it's, it's never just, just like I've said here for parents too. I've said this over and over and over again. Don't ever discipline because they hurt your feelings. Yeah. Don't ever be like, don't you know how that makes me feel? You can't yeah. coach that way either. Yeah. So I tell parents at the beginning of the season, I tell them like, I will be hard on your kids. And all of it will be, I will never, but I will never lose self-control. I will never, I will never just be venting my emotions or venting my, uh, my own spleen. I will only be trying to help that kid. Yeah. So if I think that what that kid needs the most from me is affirmation, Mm -hmm. then that's what they're getting. Right. If I think that kid, the biggest, the best gift I could give that kid is a, just a sting of like, oh crap, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like, right. like, wow. And then they get out there and now they're motivated. They're Ferdinand the bull and they got, they got stung a little bit. Yeah. Then that's what I'll give them. Um, I have coaching. I've seen guys where I've coached kids who aren't from great situations. You know, I've coached AAU. I've coached for Logos. I've, I've done a lot of coaching, right. Um, fair amount of coaching and only a track in basketball and football. So I've done 
some football, track, girls and guys, uh, and and basketball and little little girls basketball. Uh, no older girl basketball. But I have in those uh, in those moments, I've grabbed assistant coaches and just said, "Hey, I don't want you to yell at this guy at all. I know he's I know he's not doing what he's told. I know he's not paying attention." There will be no yelling at him. Hmm. You will pull him aside. It'll be a calm voice. Like you'll connect with him. You're going to grab his shoulder. You're going to give him affirmation. It's like, okay. cause this is a kid from a bad, a bad situation at home. Hmm. And the last thing I want to do is reinforce that. Gotcha. So I'm, I'm looking to have a relationship with this kid that is unexpected. He's not just assuming you know, this is what masculinity looks like. Masculinity looks like yelling and anger and all this stuff. I want to show him more thoughtfulness. Mm. Um, and there's other guys where they come from a very comfortable home. Everything's very soft. Yeah. I'm like, guess what this kid's getting? <laughs> guess, guess what he needs, you know? Yeah. What is it? Um, yeah. Herodotus, soft lands breed soft men. And I think yeah. we've got a lot of soft this is, men. This is the kid who shows up to basketball practice with a warm loaf of banana bread from his mom that he's just slicing and eating. You know, it's like beforehand, I'm like, Okay. You're going to be puking. <laughs> yeah, like this is, this is going to be great. So it's, it's not like boys need to be yelled at. No, they really don't. So, okay. Some of them do. Some of them don't. Some of them need to wake up. Some, some right. of them need to calm down. And so you look at the crew and you have to, as a coach, you have to be, just like I said, my five kids, my own children, each of them needed something different from me in response to the temptations and struggles of sports. But I had to, I had to be different to each of them. I had to be in a different relationship to each of them. And the same is true of a team. So that's, that's what I'm working at right. and that's what I'm trying to get better at. But there is no cookie cutter, one size fits all, be super quiet and sweet to girls, be really loud and angry to boys. It's like, absolutely not. Right. Like it's each kid, each kid needs something from you. Each athlete okay. needs something yeah. from you and you try to give them that thing that they need. And I incidentally, like girls track, fantastic. Volleyball, fantastic. I love girls basketball too. Mm -hmm. Like I really do. Uh, and it's a, it's a different kind of lesson, different kind of struggle, different kind of teamwork uh, and more physicality than you get in volleyball. Right. But you're not out there. You're not wrestling. You're not playing football. Yeah, I was going to ask you're you, not do draw to that, you do draw that line there. And I, I know from you know watching the high school girls basketball sometimes you'll watch teams and be like yeah that team was coached to be a boys basketball to, team to try to pretend to be the dudes right yeah and obviously we don't want that uh and similarly i assume you're against girls football yeah <laughs> like um yeah and i guess no, the, i'm very let's let's just say i'm very old guard so yeah. for those podcast listeners who think that i'm really cutting edge and extremely uh of <laughs> of my moment you'll be shocked to learn that no, I don't like girls wrestling. I don't like girls combat sports. I don't like, right. uh, and it's, I don't like them because I don't think God does. So my, I'm trying to follow his affections with mine and I don't like girls in football. Yeah. I don't like girls in football for a couple of reasons, but one of the, one of the big ones is I don't want guys hitting, you know, I don't want guys hitting totally. girls. I don't yeah. want them think, I don't want them starting to think that using violence on, on a woman like that is okay. Yeah. I you know, mean, I want to, I want to just keep that completely out of there. I still remember some coach sending his daughter onto the, the third, fourth grade football team to be on an O line. She was a little bit of a chunky girl. And, yeah. uh, 
just that moment of all the boys being told don't hit her but also looking out from the other side as a parent just why would you send your daughter yeah why would you do that um and frequently to toughen them up i had and well they will say to toughen them up which is just dumb um i had roommates in grad school who were straight out of the naval academy and they were uh at the time, like the closest thing to misogynist that I had, I mean, just, just really didn't like women. Uh, and they didn't like women because of the quotas and the women in the academy with them. And okay. it resulted in a ton of animosity. And I think some, some pretty bad bitterness. Like there was like a weird bitterness and a resentment. Because they're saying, look at what you guys are getting away with. You don't have to meet the bar. Yeah, but there it didn't matter. Like a girl could have showed up and crushed it, done right. everything. But the Naval Academy invited her in and and was doing this thing, and they it just created a lot of resentment there. Um, and they, I mean, I think the rate of rape in the military academies is insane. Is is bonkers, just, and yeah. it's it's hate rape too. It's it's not I good. Think, I think I read a quarter. It's that really might be armed forces, but sure, like, but it's really yeah. bad. It's really bad. And so there's a ton of things. I know um, a family member talked about uh, running a long, a really long run in the Marines. And, you know, it was destroying guys. Guys are collapsing, hips are dislocating. You know, it was one of those kinds of runs. Um, two dudes, a girl collapsed. They took her pack, split her pack between them, picked her up. And carried her and dragged her to the end of the run. At the end, she got a little performance medal for finishing. And it's like, okay, afterwards, do those guys have more respect for her or less? You know, it's like, and what, is, what does that create? What kind of hate and resentment? Yeah. And the guys shouldn't give in to that hate and resentment. There's no justification for being bitter and resentful and for hating women. But there's plenty of provocation. I mean, you can see, you can see the provocation. Mm. Um, and I think that there's the two reasons to not shove a girl into a football team. I'd say reason number one is for the sake of the girl. Like that's number one. How is this helping her? And reason number two is how is it helping all the guys? Yeah. Like what, what's this doing to the team, to the chemistry, to relationships, to their view of, you know, the opposite gender and and so on. Um, Mm. it's just generally unhealthy, but when it comes to basketball, Girls basketball, and this is back to like the arts. It's not, and, and the stress testing and which personality traits come out. In my, my girls playing girls basketball, they had to learn lessons and deal with issues and temptations in community and in relationship to these other girls that they never would have had to otherwise. There was not another sport that did it, that pressure cooked that kind of a thing. You have to have each other's backs differently than you do in volleyball. Uh, you have to work together as a unit in a different way than you do in volleyball, uh, which I love. I love girls volleyball. Mm. Um, and there's a kind of cattiness like that can come out and a desire for control. And there's, if you look at the temptations, the things that'll show up that you then can address and you can focus on uh, a lot of that can come out. Uh, it can that one can come out in volleyball as well or anywhere, any, anywhere you have a group of girls who are competing. Uh, you can show up with that. And where the guys you get uh, kind of guys veer into aggressive aggression and bullying behavior or passive aggression and snottiness or, yeah. you know, varying degrees of pride, yeah. uh, trying to disappear weakness. 
Like there's, but there's all these different temptations. So some of the same ones show up for girls, but it also reveals a bunch of other temptations in a team, in a unit. Can you have a group of girls who then work together towards a goal and play different roles in that goal? And in a, to a a lower level than in football, but be willing to put your body on the line for your teammate. Um, and And the answer is, yeah, you, you have to learn all those things. Right. You really do. And there's nothing like finding the, the chemistry and the click of when everybody's working together and they're running the same play and everybody's going where they're supposed to be going at the same moment and the whole thing's working. Uh, it's, it sings, it sings differently. Hmm. So track is like a, just a guts you against your pain. Yeah. Don't let down, especially in relays. I love relays, but you against your pain on behalf of your teammates, which is good. Volleyball. There's a lot of beauty to it. Uh, and it's a fantastic sport and tons of fun, but basketball brings its own, you know, its own layer of, of lessons. So, so my, one of my biggest things I'll say here, because you you threw this out at the beginning of are people too into sports, right? Yeah, of course. This is America. So there are people too. (laughs) We idolize it every, there there are, there are people who are too into sports. Uh, no question. They sacrifice church. They're sacrificing family. Uh, yeah, sometimes they're sacrificing family. Uh, sometimes they're not. Sometimes their whole family is, you know, That's participating. Yeah, I, I have less problem with that. But there's there's times when your your kids have closer relationships with teammates than with siblings. I think that's a problem. Mm. You know, it's like you want to you actually want them to build you know the family bonds and not replace family bonds with team bonds. Yeah. Um, but yeah, people absolutely go too deep in it. And I think one of the ways that they do is they overselect. Uh they overselect themselves to a particular sport. And oh, you mean they're not playing lots of things cuz they're doing yeah. high school. They're we're just We're a like, volleyball family. I just do this. We're yeah. a volleyball family. So our yeah. girls are going to play volleyball from 3rd grade to 12th grade and hopefully in college and they won't ever run track and they're not going to ever play basketball. Mm-hmm. And they're not going to do anything else. It's like, well, all you're doing is taking from them a ton of lessons and a different kind of stress test that they would have, they would have gained otherwise. Mm. So none of, I'm, none of this is me thinking about trying to get to professional or college or anything like that. I'm thinking about the growing kid, the kid becoming an adult and the benefit of sports in that kid becoming an adult. Um, and yeah. I think if you over specialize too quickly too soon, then I think you rob your kids of, of a bunch um, of different lessons. Yeah, a lot of different lessons that are Yeah, there's nothing that are there. There's nothing quite like the individual pain of running cross country or track. Like right. You just don't Those there's are my the, there's, most there's, there's nothing like standing at the plate in baseball. Sure. There's yeah. nothing there's nothing like Not that I ever did that when it wasn't T-ball. <laughs> right? <laughs> but so and it's not to say oh you have to play baseball. Right. But there are lessons in baseball that don't exist yeah. in other sports. There are lessons yeah. in basketball that don't exist in other sports. There's lessons in track. Yeah. that don't exist in other sports. There's lessons in football right. that don't exist in other sports. There's also all these different sports. There's different body types and different roles. Mm-hmm. You know, and you, know, you look at a kid who's got a football body. He could come be supporting cast on the basketball court, but he's not yeah. going to be just right. you know, a really a guy with a middle linebacker body or a, a lineman body. He's not going to come be the dominant basketball player. Mm-hmm. He could be a great role player. Uh, but he could go dominate. He can go dominate differently on the football field and really, you know, achieve right. something. Same thing with baseball. People have different skills and so on. Uh, but I, I think it's 
really beneficial to kids to play where they're weak, to be in sports where it's not their thing, hmm. and to have to play supporting roles. And yeah, you know, it's like my, but there's my thing where I'm a star. It's like, well, but also there's this fantastic life lesson called not being the most important person. Because <laughs> everybody learns it after high school. <laughs> yeah, ex exactly. <laughs> So anyway, yeah. all this to say is in terms of crafting your characters, your kids, uh, sports are fantastic. Do not, it's like saying whiskey is fantastic. Do not drink too much. Yeah. Don't, don't go all in and replace family bonds with team bonds. Don't lose your church community because you have your baseball community or your soccer community or your football community. Uh, keep the real things real, but these totally confined synthetic situations where you have kids in controlled environments who experience intense want and desire and can pursue it. Yeah. Like, but it's entirely synthetic and it doesn't matter. You want that league trophy. You want that state championship. Right. You want it so bad and you're willing to yeah. work and suffer for it. And then you don't get it. And that right there, that's amazing. Like to have to rise up and keep going yep. is, is the resilience great. that, yeah. Our, our local football team had an amazing season, yeah. fantastic season. Like they went from seventh place in league last year to winning league, you know, the district off to the state semifinals, ended up third in state. Fantastic. One loss. Uh, really, really amazing season. Yeah. How cool is that? And I'm that, sure that, that last game, crushed. they got beat up and it was tough. They got knocked out of the playoffs. And but that's so my sad. mom, yeah. my mom told me, she's like, oh man, I hope there's at least some, like some really good character lessons for them there. At least there's something. I was like, mom, the character lessons are all in those games. Like yeah. that's where they live. <laughs> that's where the, because through this, they didn't have this Nicorette program, like kind of quitting their desire slowly as they had a bad season. Mm -hmm. You know, it wasn't like. Perfect they, they season awesome. up until you lose. You're awesome, <laughs> and then you're going to lose. And all but one team is going to end on a loss. Right. Uh, and we met a team that was really tough and really well prepared. We had to play them nine hours from home, and yeah. they did a fantastic job, and we got, we, we got whooped. Yeah. And that's where... I think know, I've told you this before, but you know the the character line was the thing <laughs> that I heard all the time, because our basketball team was bad, mm. right? So I remember hearing the character line all the time. And I think I think what it was is, yeah, we, we didn't have the desire. Yeah. We, we, we did not have, it didn't right. hurt bad enough. Yeah. You know, as far as the losing, I remember, you know, I think it was, this was when I was younger, but I remember a coach losing his temper at us all once. And, uh, I think we needed that energy without the lost temper. <laughs> yeah. Like that's what we needed. Cause the shouting was, was very inspiring, but it needed <laughs> to be controlled, not yeah. the, not the lost temper. And I, I think, <laughs> I think controlling your emotions as a coach, I think is just massively important, right? It's hugely important because you want that in your players. Yeah. You don't want them to have no emotional control. You don't want them to play angry. You don't want them to play scared. You want yeah. them to, you know, play with their brain on, you know, really, really keyed up and add a hundred but with their brain activated and self-control in place. And if you lose that self-control, then you've lost all credibility to demand it of, of right. the players. Right. So uh, I should also say, do sports teach you these lessons? No. They will teach you pain. They will teach you joy. They will teach you desire. There's things that will just happen. 
but they will not necessarily teach you any character lessons by themselves. <laughs> I mean, they provide the opportunity. Correct. They're the it's anvil. the stress test. Yeah, it's they, the stress test yeah. that reveals weaknesses. Yeah. Are there wildly dysfunctional like families and athletes everywhere? Yeah, there are. Mm. You know, it's like did did some of them learn how to succeed because they had great coaches? Yeah, absolutely. Right. But it the sports present you with the opportunity to address. Uh, a bunch of girls that you would have thought were all completely fine. You have this, you put five girls on the court together and they're trying to run a man offense or they're trying to play a zone defense together. And suddenly you start getting cattiness and brattiness and it starts coming out. It's like, well, you don't have to address it. Sure. You could just let it fester. You yeah. could just have made everything worse. You could quit the basketball team. Yeah. Or you have an opportunity to actually now address something that never would have revealed itself. It never would have showed up. That little hairline crack never would have revealed itself. Um, right. And I also think there's, um, you know, for guys, especially in football and basketball and rugby, lacrosse, you know, sports like that, hopefully none of them are going to like spend a lot of time in combat. Hopefully we don't have a bunch of wars and we have generations off. Right. If we do, sports becomes way less essential. Right. It, it becomes like at best entertainment and distraction and escapism and could be really important there. Right. In a time. But it's not the stress test in no, a time where we're actually. No. In a time of actual hardship. Right. In a time when, uh, you know, a 13 year old girl is having to get up in the morning and milk a cow and make butter. You know, it's like, she doesn't need basketball. <laughs> like it's, there's no, she's, she's learning. Yeah. As she's the learning. Question, yeah. The question of do your duty and yeah. don't complain. It's like all the yeah. stress is there. And so there's different areas of the world and different cultures. I don't think this is like the answer. Sports are the answer at all. I think that sports are a fantastic uh, middle class, you know, sort of like this. This, Yeah, no, soft lands, right? Yeah. We, we are pretty soft. Yep. So if we, <laughs> so. we have a very comfortable nation. We all have smartphones. Yeah. We all have cars. We all have flat screens. Yeah. We're a pretty soft people. So. For the middle class and for the posh, sports are fantastic. Little brother of war. Yep. And if you go and you're somewhere, you know, where life is much harder and you watch all the kids playing soccer, they're playing it out of joy and out of a, an escapism. Right. You know, it's, it's a, you know, they're enjoying their speed, enjoying their teammates, enjoying all this uh, and this opportunity to play and escape. And it's a very different role there yeah, than, it, than it has in, in middle-class America where most of us just suck. <laughs> right. Didn't we talk, we were talking about Kyler Murray, right? So the Arizona Cardinals yeah, yeah, yeah. QB, <laughs> you know, Gen, Gen Z, uh, or is he? Yeah, I think so. Mm -hmm. Gen Z quarterback who's getting insane talent, but had yep. to be stipulated in his contract that he'd watch. He'd watch game film. I think four, four hours. Yeah, it was really week. small. Four hours a week of game film. Getting paid tens of millions of dollars. And four hours in a week is, in, I think, you know, you were, we were just talking about what a different. And he wasn't, he wasn't allowed to have anybody watch it for him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you just like watch someone being like, wow, you didn't learn a thing, dude. And then people were commenting, like they did say he was a gamer. Like everybody knew going into the draft, he was a gamer and, you know, that was it. So we'll see what happens with Kyler. I mean, he he's just looking, came back from injury. So he's looking okay right now. So we'll see. Yeah, I mean, but what, that, else do we, what else do we need to cover on sports? I think the girl thing. I, I think we I addressed really it, hate, right? I mean, like, let's just, there's plenty of people out there, plenty of people out there in the world who would think that I'm a psycho, like psycho hard right traditionalist, right? Yep. 
it's so easy for people who are red pilling, like reacting away from the world, uh, to overreact and overcorrect. Yeah. And people do it all the time and to overreact into no competition for girls. And we're not doing organized sports for girls. And that's, you know, it, it really robs them of a, of a huge opportunity to grow and learn. Right. Cause uh, you know, I don't know if, I don't know if our listeners know this, but you've been criticized for putting some of your girl characters in leather jackets and mm, letting yeah. them shoot and ride horses. Like yeah. that's the level of criticism that is yeah. kind of funny. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, Diana Boone was objectionable right. to a lot of people in the Ashton Burial series because she was a great shot and a pilot and had gone through you know, right. all these tiers in Ashtown and achieved this, you know, a level of competence. Um, they that thought, is, that yeah, was really difficult. They were yeah. hearing, hearing girl boss right. in your Diana Boone description. And you were just hearing, no, excellent yeah. woman. Excellent woman. Excellent, <laughs> excellent woman. And also... Uh, would be really terrible with some guys. So she's she what do you is. Mean, what do you mean by that? Meaning that okay, you pair her with. Uh, if she were to marry, if she were to go be with a guy who was scared and afraid and had never met a challenge, oh, it right. would go very very badly. Yeah. Um, so when girls rise up and start achieving, you know, jail the wife of Heber level, mm-hmm. when they start getting to those tiers, they are selecting to the kinds of guys they they need of you know the kinds of the kinds of spouse that they could respect and be you know yoked alongside of two people who could sure so you're saying two people who could be equally yoked and really labor and and be productive together for life like she's gonna need a bigger stronger badder man so you're saying proverbs 31 is wife of a king if you hit yeah you know you're wife of a king or um (laughs) Of a Viking chieftain. Sure. <laughs> you know, yeah. like Proverbs 31, there's like the kind of guy who would impress and win uh, the love and respect of a woman like that would be some dude. Yeah. You know, for sure. And, and I it, think that's, that's actually a, bi- a big piece. So there are plenty of guys who would read a fictional girl character and actually be off put and threatened, you know, He's like, I, you know, she's more of a man than I'll ever be. It's like, correct. <laughs> <laughs> and that's not her fault. That's, that's your fault. Uh, great. Um, last one more thing, I think touching on academics here. Do you approach academics in the same way? What do you mean? That ruthless pursuit of excellence. Mm. Or do you think, do you think, uh, cause I've, I've often thought if we're sorting for, for excellence, then the idea of, a tutor is the one that makes sense on the most side, but that's ridiculous in real life. Or when I see that play out okay. in real life. Excellence defined how. Yeah. So I'm, okay. Excellence in community, excellence in a group, excellence in your generation, yep. you know, among your peers. Yes. Excellence just is the GPA. only goal. Excellence at Latin. No. Gotcha. The goal is not excellence at Latin. The goal is to be excellent in anything that's in front of you and you you attack it. But you also attack it among your peers. So in, you're saying in, the, in community and the, the self-selecting for SAT or whatever SAT grades, that's, that's not how you're defining excellence. No, no, it's one, it's one measurement. Right. So if I have a kid who's getting grades that are worse than they could be getting, then yeah, we have an excellence conversation mm. for sure. Right. Uh, 
because they're they're supposed to strive and and aim and work for it. Uh, I don't want them getting A's, you know, that they could just grab easily either. Uh, if they are, then I'll then I will and have in the past ramped it up and made it harder for my kids on purpose. Yeah. So enrolling my son in additional like college online classes while he's in high school, uh, doing that my daughter's freshman year, you know, adding, you know, adding extra right. courses online right. and and other stuff. Yeah, just making sure they don't take. Yeah, so like freshman freshman year at NSA for my daughter was like, okay, you're going to take a harder Latin mm-hmm. than this because you've already got this. So we're going to do this online intermediate Latin through Harvard, and we're going to add that here. Mm-hmm. Um, I want you, I want your STEM brain still suffering, so we're going to add calculus. You know, so you, you're doing right calculus and adding this harder Latin to your load yeah. because she was really capable. A kid who wasn't as capable as she was, I wouldn't have done that. Okay, gotcha. You know, so if you can just achieve it without without strain, then I don't think it's enough. Right. Okay. So that I get, what I'm getting around to is that people often balance the sports and the academics, or sorry, oppose the sports yeah. and the academics. Why is that? Why Why is that kind of the ultimate tension that seems to happen? Maybe this is just middle class America. I don't know. It's also part of the old mind body. Right. Like duality mistake. Mm-hmm. You know, there's the real you. Right. Like for a lot of more academic think you types, and there's the fake you, the you that needs to eat and sleep and right. do things physically. So there's, you know, I have a, I have a, a couple of kids, you know, out of my five who would be happy just working on their own thing in a dark room. You know, like that's don't need people. Right. You know, would forget to eat, would forget to sleep, would just like be obsessive in in pursuing things. Um, that's not better. That's not a gotcha. and they would they would achieve a level of excellence in that thing they're pursuing, but they would not have been out there as a balanced human, you know. And I think that's mm-hmm. uh that that's important. So I don't I don't see them as opposites at all. I think that pursuing them pursuing them with the same kind of desire to do your best and to find your best and to set the goal a little out of reach, you know, so that you actually have to struggle and you might not get there, but you will, because you set the goal a little bit, you know, away from you, you will actually achieve more than you would have if you had just aimed at something obviously achievable. Right. So a little bit unachievable. Yeah. Um, I think Bobby Knight famous for his self-control (laughs) <laughs> I was rereading a bunch of Bobby Knight quotes. Yeah. Bob, Bobby Knight recently deceased, legendary Indiana coach who also like hit a player and threw a chair and got fired. Right. Uh, so he had issues, but in a, like a coaching seminar, he asked a kid how high he could jump, and made the kid jump and touch the wall, and then he just taped a twenty dollar bill three inches higher than that, and was like, "It's yours if you can touch it." And shock of shocks, the kid figured out how to touch it. You know, and that's, and he, he told the group is like, this is, that's all it is. That's all coaching is, is finding the right motivations and reward systems. Now for him, it also turned into obsession and rage and lots of other things. Um, but that is, that's very true. You know, just put it out in front of them, put it out in front of them. Right. And I've always played that way with kids. I always play with rewards. Yeah. You know, it's, uh, 
it's it really works. <laughs> it works yeah. really well. So risk reward is if you set those carrots out there and are motivated by them, but there's also the stick behind you. Right. Um, so last year I did a thing with my basketball team where it's like, okay, any kid who hit 20 free throws in a row went 20 for 20 twice. Like I will contribute like a couple hundred bucks to your shoes. Nice. It's like, that's actually hard. Like that's going very hard. going 20 yeah. for 20 twice. I think I had, I, I kind of regretted it a little bit. Because <laughs> did the stick come to hit the coach? Yeah, because yeah, but I I had enough guys achieve it. I think only four, but it was like oof, you know, like, like okay, <laughs> <laughs> great. But you know, but I still was happy, and those yeah. guys hit their free throws that season. Right. But overwhelmingly, what I also had was a bunch of guys who decided, ah, that's too hard, and then didn't even try. Yeah you know, didn't even try and were terrible from the free throw line all year. And I was hoping I was going to get an obsessed group just shooting in lunch hour and, you know, off times and the whole team would shoot well, but they didn't, we did not shoot well. So this year we're trying the stick and it's just as a team, we shoot free throws and run for misses at the end of every single practice. Nice. And we do it in a group, kind of like I described the football thing. Everybody's on the key. Each guy spends a turn shooting too. And then the guys who miss both run first. The guys who miss miss one run first, and then everybody else finishes. But there's a there's a bit of like public shame and letting each other down, and yeah, you know that camaraderie, just all that healthy. stuff. And so we're gonna test we're gonna test that one. <laughs> and so maybe next year it might be a combination of like carrot and stick. Yeah, but I know what the carrot got me last year. This year we're gonna see what the stick does. That's great. So I think we finished then with uh yeah that's. Sports plus academics make a perfect blend. They're not in opposition at all. They go along nicely together. No, they they really they really don't oppose each other. But I will say, just to just to leave everybody hanging on something annoying. If I had to pick a lot between a lot of my classroom lessons and my court slash field lessons, I would pick my court field lessons any day. Mm. Like they were way more operational as human being lessons that then applied to the classroom and to my writing and to my pursuit of the arts. Like those lessons have stayed with me through everything. Did you do the same thing where you didn't learn from the classroom lesson, even though you're in the situation? I'm just wondering, you know, yeah. like we there sports situations where you can learn and didn't. Yeah. Is totally. it a similar thing with classroom, do you think? Um or do you think it's much absolutely, or- but it doesn't hit you the same way. Yeah, for sure. You know, the consequences don't come home to roost as quickly. Yeah. So, you know, and I, I look back and it's easy to look back and criticize 17 year old me, you know, <laughs> and just be like, Oh, what a Turkey. Yeah. Like what a Turkey. Um, <laughs> but just, and, and, and again, I wouldn't, now I just see like the, lack like a thoughtlessness in how i pursued it and everything else oh totally i think that's what it is to be it's like older (laughs) yeah but you're young and you don't understand how time passes and you don't understand preparation don't understand you're not going to reread that thing later yeah yeah (laughs) you always are like oh i could go reread that later i could reread it later and you won't but the thing that's funny is i feel that way way more about the sports lessons there's a lot of hard life lessons that when I am looking at an opportunity to write a project or to jump into a show or try to, you know, when I'm trying to find a way to finish the silent bells, you know, I'm working towards that. I'm drawing on all these lessons that I learned not in classrooms. Hmm. None of the lessons from classrooms 
are helping me. Yeah. When I'm building the mythology of Ashtown, the classroom lessons help me. The information, the breadth, Thucydides and Herodotus are helping me. Sure. When okay. I'm when I'm doing that, Latin helps me. But the grit in the actual like in the actual content that shows up on the page, yeah. Like the content of the meal, education helps. Right. The ability to put it on the page, to pull five weeks of three to four a.m. nights in a row to finish a project, it's like something like that. That's all sports lessons. Yeah. That that I draw on. Um, so it's a weird. It's it is kind of like a. What's think, the what's the content of what you're going to make? What you're going to do? The content of your thoughts, the content of your desires, is very much informed by academics in the classroom. Your ability to act on them and to achieve is heavily informed by your, you know, your discipline athletically. That's a good distinction. Yeah, there we go. Distinction made. We did it. We yeah. did it. We're done. We've talked about sports again. Uh, do not rip your girls off of their life lessons. Yeah, do you think and I would, I would add one thing. If they hate sports, same thing with a guy. If they really hate it, I'm not advocating for people to force their kids to play. Like oh, that's, that's a, that's, that is a key that's, question I that's, a, asked. that's a tricky, it's a trickier little thing. I'm not saying that, that would be like ad hoc. You know, there could be times that'd be like, yep, you're playing kid. You're doing right. it because we're going to, we're going to learn this. We're going to learn this lesson. But I would say the same thing about kids learning piano, right? Like as a parent, you're deciding, no, you're in piano lessons. But at some point, you forcing this on them is not kindness or helpful. Yeah. You know, it doesn't help in their growth. But early on, like, yeah, you're going to learn to play piano. You're going to learn to read music. That was important to us with our kids. They all did. You know, and we got them to that level where they could all read music and none yeah. of them really loved piano and none of them really continued with it. Mm -hmm. uh, except for tinkering, you know, themselves. They'll want to play a hymn or they want to figure out a song and they all can. But none of them are pianists, right? Right. But they all got the benefit of that. I feel that way about sports. Gotcha. I'm not trying to raise a bunch of professional athletes. I'm not trying to raise professional pianists. I'm trying to raise well-rounded kids. But I let my daughter quit violin. I didn't make her do it. Uh, and sports were similar. Yeah. So my kids all wanted to. And so uh, the big thing for me was that you weren't allowed in our house to want something and not act on it. Like you need to actually want it with your actions. You don't want it with your feels and with that's your great, words. That's a good lesson. Like want with your actions. Uh, if you want it, show me your want, show me the desire. You want to run fast. Show me how much you want to run fast. Don't tell me, you know, like just prove it. But if you have a kid who, you know, loves to draw really, really loves to draw and does is not coordinated and hates the suffering of sports. I still think it's really valuable, you know, especially when they're little, but at a certain point, the last thing in the world you want to do is ruin your relationship with your kid by making them do something that just sucks. Right. And they've gotten the lesson. They've learned the lesson. Right. Move on. Right. <laughs> like right. move on. They can, they can read music. It's okay. If they stop playing piano, they don't have to be pianists. Right. You know, it's like it's and finding that balance is really, really key. So, yeah. I mean, in parenting, there are multiple ways to teach that same stress lesson. Yeah. Right. Um, but for forcing stuff on your kid instead of uh, planting the seeds of love and desire, whether it's for baking bread or playing basketball, you making that that choice and imposing it on them is really dangerous. It's, yeah. It always is. I'll have to add a little tag in the description that says. 
Make sure you listen to the last. <laughs> Make sure you listen, listen to the, to the whole minutes. thing because yeah, that's where we took prisoners. That's yeah. where we made a big qualification. Right, absolutely. This is not quite no quarter November. This is not my dad's blog. This is. I think this I is think Hearts and Mind podcast. Hearts and Mind podcast. Episode hearts and Minds one. Plural minds. We want all your minds and all your hearts. That's yeah. all we're trying to do. We're yeah. just trying to win friends. We just want you to like us. We sh- it could be called the Win Flin- Friends and yeah, Influence yes. People podcast. Just like us, please. That's all. <laughs> Uh, oh yeah, I did promise. I did promise a movie reco. Oh yeah. So an old one that we like in our house is Finding Forrester. Uh, and it's, chess movie. No, not at all. Dang it. Uh, it's kind of got kind of lost in there. It's a it's a basketball and writing movie. So it's been favorite a favorite in our house for a while. So Finding Forrester, and it's uh it's a good little movie that we we enjoy, uh we enjoy and have enjoyed as as a family. Nice. So Gus Van Zandt and Sean Connery starring. And it is the reason why I like it, obviously, is because it does walk this line of like artist athlete. Like how do you, mm. you know, the way our, our society tries to pigeonhole people and you're just artistic. Um, and it's sort of, it's a little bit old, you yeah. know, so it, it kind of walks a little more naturally around some of the race issues and doesn't just park in the woke the way stuff does right now, but it doesn't pretend like it's not real either. You know, it's not, Mm. uh, it's a good film. Basically it's a good movie. Finding Forrester. I don't know where the filters are or how many it needs, but you should check because your parents and you take responsibility. Is that our next lamp lamp pick? I don't know that it will talk about it. I don't think, I don't think it, it's more of a reco. I don't think it merits a whole episode. It's more of just a a thing we'll touch on. And I get asked, so I said I get asked about sports a lot. I do. The other thing I get asked the most is for movie recommends. So there's a movie recommend, uh, one that most people aren't already aware of. It's kind of one of those sneaky ones. A uh, ton of people were grateful for the escape from Pretoria recommend. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we'll, we'll keep looking for them. Awesome. So there we go. We'll find a the nuggets at the end. The nuggies at the end. Don't (laughs) force your kids to play sports and watch Finding Forrester. Do force them to watch Finding Forrester. Perfect. See ya. If you are a longtime listener to the Stories of Soul Food podcast, then you know that I am the proud dad of five boys and only five boys which means we talk a lot, my wife and I, about how to raise sons. That's what made me so excited when I heard that Canon Plus was releasing the Future Men Raising Boys to Fight Giants documentary parenting series. Five episodes of parenting goodness from a bunch of different voices, teaching your sons how to be the heroes that our culture need. In fact, they're probably going to be more like King David than you would be comfortable with. Join canonplus.com, check out Future Men, all episodes. Episode one, The Road to Masculinity. Two, A Call for Fathers. Three, The Boy Against Himself. Four, Boys in Sports. Five, Boys and Stories. That right there, Future Men documentary series. I wanted to share it with you in case, like me, you have a number of boys in your life who are at some point going to become future men.